You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. New York City administrative judge ruled that Ronald Dillon should be suspended without pay for 30 days for twice talking in a robot voice. What is robot voice? Robot is speaking in a monotone kind of area and talk very like one-sided. Mr. Yeah. Domo Arigato, by the way. <laughs> Mr. Robot, I this is the help test. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Podcast. Thank you for uh, listening. Sorry, I'm losing my voice, so I'm gonna just have to uh, just have to push through it. Okay. <clears throat> so yeah, I wanted to talk about last week. I never had a chance to. I was gonna write something about it, and I just didn't. I didn't have a chance. But last week um, there was uh, yet another trendy social media campaign that took the internet by, by storm. And since I'm mentioning it a week later you know, 2,000 other successive social media campaigns have already happened. Most of them started by angry feminists because feminists love social media campaigns. It's what, it, there's nothing they love more than a good social media campaign. I think it's, it's come to define the new wave of feminism. Like there was first wave feminism, <clears throat> then second wave feminism, then third wave and now the third wave has given way to the hashtag wave, is what I would call it. Hashtag feminism. And it, the thing about hashtag feminism is that it still retains, you know, the, um, the moral bankruptcy and bitterness of the second wave and the shallowness and, and triviality of the third. But it channels all of that uh, bile exclusively through catchy Twitter slogans and internet memes uh, rather than, you know, uh, armpit hair and burning bras and and that kind of thing. Now, this latest campaign, if you saw it last week, it was popular for a few days, seven or eight days ago. The the hashtag feminists, they called it it, uh, masculinity so fragile. Hashtag, hashtag masculinity so fragile. And it was as demeaning and, and irritating as it sounds. Hashtag feminists, you know, they, they scolded men, uh, insisted that um, in our country, masculinity is, quote, toxic and fragile. According to feminists, this is evidenced by the fact that uh, men wear body wash and uh, they murder people. These were some of the examples that were being given to show that masculinity is fragile. And, and those are two examples that are sort of um, on different ends of the spectrum, I would think. But on one hand, the feminists say, men are so insecure that they need neutral products to be, to be gendered and, you know, manified before they'll feel safe buying them. So rather than just buy regular body wash, us stupid men, we need a body wash that's targeted towards men and that smells like, you know, pine needles and sweat. And on the other hand, men are also tyrants who maim and molest as a way to prove our manliness, is what the feminists were saying on Twitter. And um, many hashtag feminists pointed out that uh, masculinity uh, likewise makes men uh, afraid to cry or show their feelings. 
while also turning them into silly and stupid little boys who cry and whine when feminists insult them. So if you're keeping track at home, according to feminists, and we've known this for a while, it wasn't just last week, but if you're keeping track at home, according to feminists, men cry too much and don't cry enough and are too tough and are too sensitive and are too timid and are too weak and are too aggressive. All at once. So this is what your kid's college professor means when she preaches about toxic masculinity. It's toxic because it's wrong no matter what it does, according to the feminists. About the only thing a man can do to escape criticism from feminists is become gay or a woman. Um, <clears throat> now, of course, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty rich to hear feminists accuse others of fragility when these are the same people who require trigger warnings and safe spaces to protect them from opinions that might upset them. You know, feminism is defined by its frailty and its oversensitiveness. That's what it's known for. It's known for the, you know, feeble allegations of sexism and patriarchy that it that it lobs at any man who, you know, spreads his legs too wide on the subway or sets the air conditioning too low or compliments a woman on her looks. Feminists are notorious for that kind of thing. They're notorious for shouting rape if a man uh, tells a joke that she, that, that she doesn't like. There's even a new thing called, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this, it's called fart rape, um, where if a man passes gas, he's, he's essentially raped the women around him. This is what feminists are, are saying. It's not a joke. It's what, well, it is a joke, uh, but, but uh, not intentional on the part of the feminists. Feminists claim you know, that they're so helpless that they need the government to pay for their birth control and make sure that they get raises at work because they can't do it themselves. Modern feminism has done nothing but make women caustic and childish, dependent on government, ready to crumble into a million pieces over the vaguest perceived insult. So fragility, that is the, the very hallmark of feminism. Now, the point, though, is that it is not. It's the hallmark of feminism. Fragility is. And moral bankruptcy. But it isn't, however, the hallmark of femininity. Okay. A truly feminine woman, uh, which is a species very distinct from a truly feminist woman, is strong. Uh, femininity, fully realized, is compassionate and graceful and gentle, yet also vibrant, uh, bold. Feminine women are far too substantial and interesting to be feminists. So, so when someone brings up feminism around my mom or my, my wife or my sisters, they usually just laugh and carry on with their lives because they're, they're serious and confident women. They're too busy being wives and mothers to worry about being feminists. So uh, femininity is, is, is not a fragile, ridiculous thing, but feminism is. One of the most popular uh, recurring hashtag feminism memes and you see this pop on, up online every once in a while, is called uh, I Need Feminism Because. And what will happen is women uh, will take pictures of themselves holding signs declaring they need feminism for whatever reason, uh, because toy trucks are sold in the boys' section or because there aren't any female late-night comedy show hosts or whatever. Whatever the reason is, that's what they need feminism for. And the point of the slogan and every other feminist slogan is to convince women that they aren't competent enough to handle the faintest slight or obstacle without feminism there to save them. It's a lie, of course, 
there's nothing feminine, feminine, uh, therefore nothing womanly about pettiness and perpetual victimhood, which is the only thing that that feminism peddles. But modern feminism, um, what it does is, is especially through its championing of, of promiscuity and abortion and those sorts of things, modern feminism, it leads women away from themselves, away from that which makes them them. And nobody needs something that compromises or undermines their true nature. You know, that, that's precisely the last thing that anyone needs. And this is what I hate about feminism. And it's what, what distinguishes how I criticize feminists from how feminists would criticize me. I attack feminism for not being feminine, whereas feminists attack men for being masculine. Obviously, you know, when, when, when feminists say, uh, well, masculinity is a, is a toxic thing because men uh, assault and rape and abuse, I'm not saying that it's masculine to abuse, assault, and rape. That's what the feminists are saying. Um, but the problem is when feminists insist on, on fundamentally painting all men as rapists and abusers in some way or another, they're trying to... They're trying to say that masculinity itself is an abusive thing. And that when people are too masculine, they indulge in these sorts of things. Because feminism simply cannot find anything to like about men. You go to a feminist and you ask them, what do you like about men? Is there anything you like about them? Is there any positive? If you say, what do you like about women? They'll, they'll list a hundred things. But what do you like about men? They won't be able to do it. Have you ever done that? It's a, it's, a fun, it's a fun activity. Go up to a feminist and say, just give me one thing you like about men. Not about a particular man that you know, but about men in general. Just one thing that you like about it. They can't do it. None of them can. They treat masculinity and manhood with equal measures of contempt, mockery, disgust, but confusingly, at the exact same time, they also express skepticism about the concept itself. So, feminists are liable one minute to say that masculinity is an imaginary fable or an artificial construct or what have you. And then the next, they say it's a scourge on the earth and responsible for all of humanity's ills. So, it really can't be both, can it? It can't not exist and also exist and be destroying the earth. And in the midst of this, and this is just one example that really stood out to me. Just usually feminists, they like to pretend that they're not they're not han- man haters. They like to pretend that. Um, but this is one example last week where feminism, where feminists were, they were just being open about it. It was an, it was a couple days of just feminists going online and insulting men. That was just what they were doing. They were being open. It was like, yeah, we hate men. And so I, I got to thinking, you know, in the midst of in the midst of all this. You have actual men, particularly younger men and boys, who feel who feel bewildered and and uh, confused, uh, dejected. There certainly is a crisis of masculinity in our culture, a scarcity of of masculine, manly men, I should say. But <clears throat> this is a predictable outcome when you consider the environment that boys are growing up in. Think of how confused they must be. They've got feminists over in one corner calling them privileged and spoiled and rapists by default. And everywhere else, they hear messages that are no less disorienting and discouraging. 
Um, ideally, a, a boy will learn how to be a man, how to be authentically masculine and manly by looking to his father, and his father in turn looks to Christ. Uh, before a boy can really know Christ, he knows his father, and his father's job is to show him Christ by serving and loving his family as Christ loves, loves the church. Um, our dads and Jesus, in other words, th- those are the two parties best equipped to teach us about masculinity. And uh, if, if a boy has that in his life, an attentive father, uh, and, uh, and he has faith in his life, then he's in good shape. But you have to think, what about, and there's so many boys who grow up without a father in the home. Or with a father who is physically present but spiritually and emotionally absent. What what if no faith is instilled in a boy? What if he grows up without knowing his father on earth or his father in heaven? And 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 therefore without without knowing what perfect and completed masculinity looks like and how it behaves. What happens then? You know, he has his mother, uh, but boys, they need men to show them how to be men. There's only so much a mother can do in that department. So where does he turn for that instruction to fill that hole in his life? Tragically, he has only the culture left. So the media and uh, Hollywood will give him a cartoonish idea of masculinity. And without any real life examples, he will emulate the cartoon. You see this play out in black America where 70% of children are raised by unwed mothers and lacking any strong male role models. Many black teens, they seek masculine affirmation in thug culture, but thug culture is absurd and violent and immature, Uh, not masculine. It teaches selfishness and arrogance, not the manly virtues of hard work and sacrifice. It gives boys a counterfeit masculinity and it creates counterfeit men. And things aren't much better in white America. You know, you got some uh, 20% of white kids grow up in homes absent their biological fathers. Many more might have their dads around, but they still starve for healthy male guidance, either because their fathers won't provide it or because, um, or because you know, the culture makes it difficult. There's so many forces pulling their, the child's heart and mind away from the home and their parents. So again, boys search for the masculine example that they've been deprived of. And uh, the substitutes they find are profoundly insufficient. The result, you know, you end up with uh, more men who are reduced to caricatures. <coughs> and you get the perpetual adolescents, the overgrown frat boys, you know, the, the, uh, that white stereotype. The men who play with toys all day, video games, refuse to seek a higher calling like family life and fatherhood because they're too shallow and self-absorbed to think beyond themselves. So think about it for these for these guys. And to make matters worse, whether or not boys have active and, and invested fathers in the home, if they go to public school, they'll endure, endure a daily assault on their gender. In school, you know, boyhood is medicalized and treated as a nuisance or a disability. Twice as many boys are diagnosed as ADHD than girls. Twice as many. <coughs> and many more boys than girls are saddled with, you know, other learning disabilities, quote unquote. Boys take the brunt of the punishments in school. About 70% of all suspensions are, are boys. Um, and outside of school, boys face a culture riddled with sex and pornography. Um, a, a culture that, that is designed to sort of prey, prey upon their weaker instincts. 
So you put this all together and imagine a boy without an involved father, without faith, goes to public school, consumes media regularly, now take into account all the sex and pornography our culture throws at boys from a young age. Um, And imagine how their ability to develop a healthy moral and masculine sexuality has been hindered, if not destroyed. And then they go off to college and the feminist indoctrination kicks into high gear. And after they've been beat down all these many years, after they've been de- deprived all these many years of, of, of uh, uh, true masculine uh, guidance, um, they go to college and the feminist indoctrination starts. And because for them, masculinity has been something so ridden with conflict, confusion, repression, guilt, they're going to be very receptive to the feminist notion that men are actually evil and they'll begin to hate themselves. And this is the pro- process that plays out. And I guess that's my problem. Feminists love to criticize men. They don't look at themselves, though. They don't like to look at the state of womanhood in this country, which uh, is which uh, also which also uh, can sometimes uh, they're they're they don't look like to look at the state of womanhood in this culture, which really isn't any better than the state of manhood. As we talk about, you know, the lack of quote real men. Um, we rarely talk about, well, what about, quote, real women? I don't really like those phrases because obviously any uh, any man, any actual biological man is a real man. Any, any biological woman is a real woman. But I guess if we say, well, where have all the masculine men gone? Then I think it's fair to say, where have all the, the, the feminine women gone? But anyway, as feminists like to complain about men, as everyone likes to complain about men, it's like we never want to step back and take a look at it and say, and say not to make excuses for men who behave uh, in ways that are wrong, but how do we end up here? You know, let's trace it back to the beginning. Let's try to actually understand. Let's try to have some understanding here. And let's look at these boys and, and what a lot of them are facing. I was lucky because I had a father and I had faith and I had all this. Still wasn't easy for me. I'm still far from a perfect man, but at least I had that going for me which was not anything out of my own doing, but it was what it, I was, I was put in that position. I was given uh, the advantage of having a father and faith and all that. But a lot of, a lot of boys don't. And what are they going to do? They're, it's almost like too much to ask for these boys. Growing up without any semblance of guidance on how to be a man. And then we expect them to figure it out. How are they going to do that? Where are they going to look? I look at these kids in the inner city. I think, what? where are they going to look for? And I don't know how they're going to figure it out. Where exactly are they going to look around? They can't look in their families. They can't look in their schools. They can't look in their friends. They can't even look at the culture. They can't turn on the TV. They can't turn on music. They can't look anywhere to find an example of what a man is supposed to do and how a man is supposed to act. So my thought is, if feminists actually cared about the state of manhood in this country, then they would be talking about this and bringing this up and saying, how can we solve this back at the beginning? How can we make sure that boys are raised to become men? And the feminists don't want to talk about that because the real answer, and this is what progressives, for whatever reason, don't want to discuss, they don't like the family, they're opposed to the institution of the family. Uh, but the real answer is in the family. That's the answer. 
It's for men to uh, have kids and then stay home and raise the kids. I don't mean stay home like you can't work. I mean stay in the home. Don't leave, don't leave your family. Don't abandon your family. To stay with your family, to have kids, to get married, be a husband, be a father in the home, that's the answer. And instill faith in your child. That's the answer. But and it's not a perfect answer. It won't lead to a perfect society. But that's how we pull back from a lot of these problems. And nobody wants to discuss that. Feminists don't want to discuss that. They'd rather just complain about the way things are now. They don't want to look at, well, how can we actually solve it? But there it is. There's a solution. Masculinity is not a fragile thing. It's a strong thing. But we're, we are creating a lot of fragile people, men and women, in this culture because they're not rooted in anything. They're not rooted in the family. And so any influence, any breeze can come along and knock them down. That's the point. That's the problem. That's what we should be doing. All right, that's going to do it for me. Um, everyone have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it. Salud. Godspeed.